Hustle and Faith, this podcast is dedicated to helping you find your trail to a happier, healthier you by discussing topics like self-improvement, business, health and beauty, and random thoughts about life from a Christian perspective. I'm your host, Tasha Johnson. Are you enjoying the Hustle and Faith podcast? Regardless of where you listen to Hustle and Faith, if you love this show, please leave us a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash hustle and faith. Again, that's ratethispodcast.com forward slash hustle and faith. Doing so will help others to discover this show. Thanks again for your support. It is very much appreciated. Are you ready to break free from the worker bee mentality? Life is way too short to learn everything the hard way. Why not take a shortcut and use Starring You services to help start your side hustle? Starring You is proud to offer the following services. Marketing consulting, podcast research, content marketing, course creation, and voiceover work. Starring You services will help you acquire the skills you need to break free from the hive. So today I have the absolute pleasure of speaking with Barbara Myrick. Barbara is the owner and president of B&M Construction located in Colorado Springs, Colorado. B&M Construction is one of the most respected construction companies in Colorado. With over 20 years of experience in construction management, Barbara has developed strong relationships with other industry leaders while providing innovative solutions for her clients. Barbara has won a myriad of awards most recently the 2021 Titan 100, an award that recognizes Colorado's top 100 CEOs and C-level executives. Welcome to the show, Barbara. Well, good morning, and I appreciate you um, having me um, on your podcast today. Of course, of course. Well, why don't you tell the audience about yourself? Well, um, I um, came to Colorado in 89. The military brought me here. Mm-hmm. I am a wife, a mother of three. I have um, four beautiful grandchildren. Um, I recently started a farm like three years ago. So I'm getting into goat farming and chickens and honeybees. And um, I have a small orchard. So that is my peaceful place. I sit on several boards um, within the community with uh, my main focus um, now is I am the chair of the Southern Colorado Women's Chamber of Commerce, and we move business forward. We mean business and we love women. Um, I love the community that I live in. I've watched it grow. Mm. Um, And so, but also I'm a, a I come from a family of 13 children and I was born and raised in North New Jersey. And so I am the seventh child um, of my parents and just love family, um, love people and love community. That's fantastic. Fantastic. Oh my goodness. I'm going to have to come back to you on the, the orchid questions in the farm. Cause that's even, <laughs> that, that that's super interesting. No, I'm really into health and fitness and wellness. So I will definitely be circling back on that one. <laughs> and I'll share with you why I started it and how I started it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. We'll circle back on that one because I want to kind of dig more into your construction background. So what motivated you to start your business? Um, so I'll keep it. My dad, um, uh, my dad was um, in construction. He did horizontal construction, which is roads and bridges. Um, and he um, was illiterate, but he could read plans. Isn't that a gift? Um, And so he wanted to open a business. And so he thought, well, I have six sons. I can do a business. Well, it didn't happen that way. And one day he looked at me. He said, she'd be the one to figure it out. And so my husband and I um, decided when we got to Colorado, um, we found a rental property. It was leased to own. And we wind up fixing it up. So I tell everybody before there's a before there was a Chip and Joanna Gaines, um, there was a Barbara and Jay. (laughs) (laughs) And so we we renovated this home that was just um, falling apart, um, which was an adventure in itself. So when we finished it, I was outside one day working in the garden and someone drove up and said, who did your renovation? And I just said, oh, it's time to just go. 
<laughs> and get a license. Well, um, it was $500 in faith and I started the business and it just has grown wow. um, to millions. Oh my goodness. That is absolutely amazing. That's, mm -hmm. that's a lot. Of, that's amazing. You know what? I, I would love to learn a little bit more your about your career progression within the industry. So for folks not as familiar with the construction industry, again, this is one of the reasons why I wanted to reach out to you. Um, not a lot of women, right? And yeah. is there anything that you wish that you would have known when you began your career? Um, I wish I would have known just the atmosphere in which I was working in. Um, mm -hmm. um, Colorado Springs is a very conservative community, mm -hmm. um, very um, close-knit and knowing the right circle of people. Um, mm -hmm. Would that have made a difference? Probably not in the community in which I've lived. I've seen it change over the years, but it it took a... Um, uh, African-American contract small business specialist at one of the military installations actually was Peterson Air Force Base. I went to a meeting one day and he said, why aren't you certified? Why, mm -hmm. why you keep coming to these meetings? Um, and and, and his, his, without him saying it, he was saying, you're not going to get any work unless you do these certifications. Mm -hmm. And so if I would have known that in the forefront, I would have done it and then uh, learn the industry on what the impact of those certifications were. Because where I started, I started in residential and then I moved into commercial. So I wish I would have um, known that. I wish I would have um, found a mentor because my a lot of my lessons were trial and error. Mm -hmm. um, I wish at that time I was willing to invest in a coach for me to help me um, um, build my confidence. So I think sometimes um, we think we have it all together, but we need different perspectives on how to look at things. And I think if I would have done that earlier in my career um, in this industry, which is uh, male dominant yeah. and um, I wish I would have, I would have went further quicker. Um, not that my lessons learned aren't valuable because I think that's why I'm still in this industry. Um, they, it made me stronger um, because those life lessons are the ones that push us forward to move forward. Um, and so I, I don't take for granted those life lessons, but I wish I would have added some more into my, I call it a pot of stew to help me um, just be better sooner without the life lessons. Um, and in this industry, most women, um, you know, they start off um, as um, clerks or some people call them admin assistants, mm -hmm. but I had to do a crash course and learn all of it. I had to be the receptionist. I had to be the admin assistant. I had to be the estimator. I had to go out to job mm -hmm. sites. And so putting all of those pieces together was a little overwhelming, but it helped me in the long run know each position that I needed within the company to move the company forward, the personalities that I needed to find to nurture different relationships. Um, but it's so many uh, positions within the construction industry that women sell themselves short, project management, estimating, CFOs, COOs, um, all of that ties in, even being a, a carpenter or a concrete finisher. I, I, I believe we can do it all. Um, mm -hmm. We just have to believe in ourselves and, and put our minds to it, but we, when we get into the industry, we do have to realize that we have challenges as women mm -hmm. and being in a male dominant industry. So I'm going to piggyback off of that. How did you go about convincing, I don't know if I should use that particular word, convincing or persuading the folks that you were seeking to do business with that you were competent? Um, I, I always say be authentic, right? Mm -hmm. Um. We, we, 
some people say fake it till you make it. I, I don't recommend faking it till you're making it. Mm-hmm. I I recommend if if you don't know something, then be okay and say, I don't know that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it took a, um, actually it was a contracting officer that really we had a heart to heart conversation. He saw that I was a person that listens and I process. And he said to me, I'll help you be successful, but you're going to have to work hard and mm-hmm. you're going to have to work harder than your male counterparts, but mm-hmm. I'm going to help you be successful. And he taught me things and we had conversations. And I, I just want us to always be open to someone is willing to give you their information. They're willing to pass it on to you because you know, they know they know that um, their time is limited or they're going to be out of this career field one day and they want to share that information. And when we have to be open to um, receiving the information, but also receiving constructive criticism. So sure. it took um, a contracting officer to help me really see my potential. I knew inside of me what my potential was, but he just helped bring it out. Like he would say, why aren't you looking at things this way? Um, not, not so focused on the norm. Think outside of the box. Always come with a different perspective on things. If, if the wall, say, had to be painted a different color, how would you do it? So people think you just put paint on the wall, but there's a process to it. There's a process to how you do a patch on a wall. If you have to tear the um, plaster out and then put wire in it or mesh in it, and you just can't paint over it after you do it, there's a process. And so he he got me to thinking about the processes and what brings, it makes things complete. And he always said to me, always have innovation. Take somebody's idea or take an old process and make it new and add something to it and how it can make someone else's job easier or life easier. So he poured that into me where I'm always thinking now and people just look at me. Actually, my husband said a couple of weeks ago, (laughs) it's funny. (laughs) It was really funny. We were at breakfast and he said to my daughter, her mind never shuts up shuts off. It's always <laughs> an entrepreneur like, hey, if I add that to this, I can make a product line. Totally get it. Yep. And he said, can she just turn it off sometime? And my daughter said, dad, I mean, guys, you've been, you've been together 35 years. You've been <laughs> like that the whole time. Uh, he said, but she's always thinking. He said, that's, she said, that's the gift. That's mm-hmm. a gift for her to yeah. Pass on an idea and give it to somebody and say, hey, why don't you do it this way and go out and they go out and create it. Yeah. Yeah. It it really is a gift. And, and you know what? That leads me to my next question. So what opportunities vaulted you forward within the industry? Um, just envisioning the impossible to be possible and saying, I can do that. So my my I, I double majored in college and my degree is in my master's in acquisition and procurement with a certification in government contracting. So actually I could go be a contracting officer for the government, but I said I didn't want to do that. Wow. Um, and because I live in, I'm surrounded by military bases oh, wow. and I was in the military and I seen the need for Um, soldiers, what they need to be successful in the military. I said, how about I just go and build or go and renovate and help those installations make nice living quarters or make it easier for a soldier um, to um, get housing by help building housing or help renovating housing. But making sure that living quarters on base or the dining facilities that they eat in or the roads that they have to drive on our base are safe. And so that that was my focus was um, how can I help 
even though I've served, how can I help those that are still serving? And that, that was my calling to go in and help government agencies, especially those that um, deal with veterans, help veterans and help people in the military be successful. So that's what moved me forward and helped my, my company grew, grow because I was, um, I, I started out um, in residential, but I, I wind up in the federal space and I love um, working on military installations and the veteran administration. So that's what has moved me forward. And then diversifying. So once I mastered one thing, I added something else to the portfolio. And I think sometimes I was just talking to the gentleman this morning about how small businesses in particular, we don't diversify. We we learn one thing and that's what we stick with instead of adding and growing. It's just like a layer of a cake, right? I love like seven layer chocolate cake. Oh, yeah. so you start off with one layer and you keep adding and adding and adding, but you master one. You know, they say be a jack of all trades. I say be a jack of all trades and a master of anything, nothing. I encourage small business to master one thing and then add on to it. So if you're a framer, why not think about what goes between the walls, insulation, what goes on next after that drywall. Mm -hmm. So you can add to it, but I think it should be a deliberate process um, um, that we do instead of just doing everything and not being good at anything. So true. So true. And, and I was thinking about your comment regarding master one thing and move on. I think the reason why some folks may get stuck in that is because there's so much conflicting information out there. And I know I've read other places, oh, you should niche down and, you know, really just master that one thing because you want to be known for just that one particular thing. But I've always been of the mindset that you are as well, that why would you limit yourself? That that made no sense to me. Have you ever heard that? I mean, there. I think that is why you see a lot of small business owners just in one space and kind of reluctant to diversify. That is true. And, and, and so I, I've just learned that if you don't, you're going to get left behind because yeah, you'll see other companies come in and start where you started. Right. Exactly. And they done diversified and added to, and so water restoration, right. People, mm -hmm. the house flood, the water rest, the person that has the contract that does it, they've learned, okay, I have to do drywall. I just don't go suck the water up out of the carpet or off the floor. Mm -hmm. There's a, I can, I can do demolition. I can do drywall. I can do uh, um, carpentry finish of the baseboards and hang doors. So it's just a process and how you master it. Um, and I, and I, 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 from construction, I go in, I, I added this, I go in and furnish the building. I go in and do space planning and design for them. So it, it's just putting it all together. And it's just not you doing it, right? You build a team around you. You bring a, a team of subcontractors in to help you be successful. But you can diversify without doing the work. Yeah. I, but I just think we get lost there when people say you stay in your lane and just do this while they're not staying in their lane. They're adding to their lane. Yep. 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 And so I, I encourage small business to to really think about diversifying, master one thing and then add to it. Completely agree. Completely agree. And I, I, again, I'm just thoroughly taking in all the information that you're saying. So I could only imagine what an amazing boss that you would be. So I would love for you to describe your leadership style. How do you continue to grow and develop as a leader? So I am, I like to lead from behind. I don't, I'm that leader. I don't have to be in the front. I don't have mm -hmm. to get the accolades. I want my people to to experience that um and i i'm gonna be honest i used to be that um leader that was just very direct not yeah. soft spoken 
it was my military, you know, and military you taught process move, process move. And that I brought in when I started business. And I had to reflect on that. Like, I don't like that type of leadership where it's just, I, I call it a taskmaster, right? Mm. Just a dictator. I, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to, I, I had to go back and look at myself and reflect like, gosh, that's kind of harsh. Mm. And so I wind up um, praying about it and asking God to help just soften me because I wanted people to grow, um, to grow to their fullest potential. And sometimes I would see people's potential, but they wouldn't see their potential, but my delivery was off. And so I had to go back and fix that. So I've learned now to, over the years, is to step back and let, let them be at the forefront so I can just guide them. And I look more as my leadership style as a servant leader. Um, because I, I think we're here to help people move forward in the things that they want. And they might be little things, right? Um, I have some employees that's been with me 13 years. Oh, wow. I've encouraged them to uh, uh, go open their own business. And I would help them. And they know we just love it here. And they, wow. they look at it like this. You give us the opportunity to lead. You give us encouragement. Um, one of them said, my wife wanted me to just buy a house so I can make an honest living and I brought a house and I can go on vacation. And, and it's those little things that um, I look at as a blessing. They, they don't want to be the, um, they don't want to be a management. They don't want to be um, an owner of a company. They don't want to deal with the stresses that come with the owner of a company, like making sure that the people that are under you have work and that mm -hmm. they get paid every week. And, they're able to accomplish. They don't, they don't want that. They just want to come in and work. So I leave from behind to encourage them to um, grow to their full potential. I've seen some that have grown and left the company and, and moved on to higher positions um, with large corporations, which is a blessing mm -hmm. to me to see them grow and me be a part of that growth. But I've learned just to leave from the back, um, be an encourager, um, to guide them um, and to promote them as individuals. So that's where I'm at at this point in time in my life as a leader. Oh my goodness, Barbara, you are such a rare, <laughs> you are a rare gem um, to, to hear how you really promote your employees to have other interests outside of your company. Like that is rare to hear from that's just rare to hear. I don't know if you know that or not. <laughs> so, you know, I was having a conversation. That is rare. I was having a conversation last week. I was on a panel and they were talking about, um, it was basically the same question. And I said to the, the audience, the receptionist that answers our phone is just as important as me. Mm. It's important for us to find out what goes on in their life, not to be a busybody. Sure, 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 sure. Because they spend most of their time in the company mm -hmm. and they bring their personal there. But if we're not in tune to know that they might be going through a challenge in life, it will reflect on how they answer their phone. It will reflect mm -hmm. on their work that they get done. And they'll sure. start getting piles and piles of stuff on their desk. We need to to tap in to see what's going on and how we can help them. And it's about the whole person. It's not about, cause I don't want, I don't want clock watchers. I don't want people to come in and say, Oh, it's nine o'clock. I leave at five o'clock. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want those. I want people to come and say, this is a safe place. If I have a problem, I can discuss it. I have people here that can help me um, move forward and get over those challenges. And I'll share an example. I had a, I have an employee who's been with me for years. And mm -hmm. last year's son, it was a really bad accident when a bunch of teenagers 
Mm. And his son had nine surgeries within 60 days and they lived in the hospital. But during that time, I was sitting here one day and my HR person said, they forgot to eat. Um, and so we had meals delivered for them and the staff taking care of the son. And then they um, they declined health insurance when we offered it. And so we went into the community and helped find the resources oh, to wow. help them in that situation. That made uh -huh. such a huge difference in the recovery of the son, but of the family that um, the, the spouse called and just said, I can't believe you guys helped us like that. And so I think um, as leaders and as business owners, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's just not about the bottom line. It's about the lives that we impact. And believe me, we have an impact on the employees and the people that we employ. And it's just not them, it's our vendors too. So I just think... Um, we have to look at things a little different moving forward. And it's it's not the bottom line all the time. I mean, money's nice. I love shopping for shoes. Sure. But at the end of the day, it's the people that really matter to me. Ugh, such a refreshing take to hear from a business owner, this type of perspective. I mean, you don't need me to tell you. There's a lot of chaos going on in the world, especially uh, you know, the corporate world, all these layoffs and whatnot. And it, it just sounds like your company sounds like utopia. Like you're describing your company culture already. Like how that sounds to me just sounds absolutely amazing. And I'm kind of curious, are there any other tips and tricks that you use to help keep your employees engaged? If you ask me, I mean, everything you just described would have got me, but just curious if you have anything else to share. Um. I try to find out what trainings they would like to um, go to, to help them move in the, forward in their careers. Um, honestly, I have a list of their favorite soda, their favorite candy bar, their Aww. favorite restaurants, um, so cool. um, their favorite movies. Um, it's those things, the places they like to visit. Mm -hmm. um, if it's a national park, um, even if like I, a couple of years ago, I had tickets to the Broncos AFC game. I didn't go. Mm. I gave the tickets to an employee. They were just like, you got to be kidding me. We're right here. Right there. Mm. Yeah, go. Have fun. And it was just an amazing. I send them to events that I want them engaged in the company. So I just, I try to expose them. But I just, I just think when we get to know like their birthdays, their kids' birthdays, their anniversaries. Those little things mean so much to them. And then when they're struggling in life, and I'll just say, we, they'll come to me and we start, I pray for them. And, and that just really means so much to them because it, it shows that side of you too, right? I try to show, I share with them my hurts. I share with them my struggles. Mm -hmm. um, they've seen me um, cry. Mm -hmm. They've seen me um, challenge myself. They've seen, they've seen the whole Barbara. That one of them said to the team one day, we were having a company meeting and we had some new employees. And, and he said to them, if you take care of B&M, B&M will take care of you. Mm -hmm. and it's a great compliment that just touched me I said oh my god I never thought that you thought um like that and he said yeah and then he shared um with me he remembered the day that I hired him he remembered the day that I moved them from the west to the south he remembered me just taking care of him and his brother and they've been with me 13 years Wow. And and he remembers those things. Um, and I'm never too far away. You know how some CEOs, you have to go through a layer of people. <laughs> yes. Get, yes. Right. My door is always open. Not that my managers like that. Sure. No, but my door is always open from the laborer 
to the receptionist, to upper management. It, it's always open for them to come and have a conversation. Because sometimes the conversation isn't about work. Sure. It's about I have a problem. Can you help me try to figure it out? Oh my goodness. Sounds like utopia that you've created, Barbara. <laughs> you know, I don't, don't, um, now it is, I, I've, I've relieved a lot of people because they just didn't fit into the culture. Sure. Sure. I understand. Um, yeah. But now I just, I have a team that, um, they're important to me. Um, mm-hmm. I have a second chance program. Mm-hmm. I hire people that people don't want to hire because they just don't forgive. Um, And I just, we just have to give people a chance. And so I've opened my doors Mm -hmm. um, to a second chance program and that's taken off. And, you know, when we're interviewing, I have those hard conversations. I'm sorry you got caught, but think, you know, when I look at it, I said, all of us have done something wrong in the world. Sure. And I tell them this in the interview, you just got caught. And they just, they just look like, did you just say that? Yeah. But it breaks it's the true. ice for them to talk about what happened to them in life and how they got there. Wow. And how they plan to move forward. And so I just, um, I love that, that they then begin to open up and they begin to talk about the dreams and the passions that they had in life. And I said, and some still can be accomplished. Oh, love that so much, so much. So what was and continues to be the hardest part of leading B&M construction? Knowing that one day um, I have to turn over the reins to someone else mm. and preparing, finding that right person to sure take over and pick up where I left off. Um, mm-hmm. And remembering that community and people mm-hmm. are always the focus. And then getting um, the people that are here now prepared, right? And then sure. giving them the opportunity to step up, but then leading them through like a recession right now and inflation. Sure. How how do we all come together to um, cut costs within the company so everyone still gets paid, right? Mm-hmm. And having those conversations um, with them and 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 getting them to understand the importance of quality of work um, and not going back to do rework. And sharing that with them. So right now, I I'm I'm tr- I'm trying to get them as employees to be thinking like an owner. Mm-hmm. Like, don't just waste gas to waste gas, and and you have five trucks going up the highway when only you need one. Yeah, sure. So getting their mindsets on that, getting them to understand. Um, because I have a, a a a young team, a part of the company now is a young team, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and getting them to to understand you could do like productivity after I think after nine eight eight nine hours productivity goes down. So don't don't make a day long as possible if it has to go to the next day. So just trying to change mindsets of um, how we do things, um, implementing new processes for um, new ventures um, and and getting them to take ownership. So that's where I'm working at now as leadership to get them to understand. Because I think sometimes people have the misconception that you're the owner of the company, you make a lot of money. And in in some cases, that's not true. And so changing that mindset of just embracing um, what that looks like for them to think like an owner so that the company can grow and move forward and and bringing them in on those conversations of, okay, I'm looking at going after this. 
I need everyone's input. What's your thought? What's your thought? Is it doable? Who's going to be committed? Um, and I think they appreciate that more. They they definitely appreciate me including them in on that so they can give their input of um, the risks involved uh, as a small business. And I think um, that's what we don't do as a leader. And that's what I'm trying to do now as a leader is include everyone and embracing that and then their differences. So, and then just um, meeting with other leaders to see what their thoughts are, what their um, new approach may be mm -hmm, mm -hmm. on something. So I think a leader is always growing. A leader is always being developed, even since I've been doing this business since 94, but I'm still growing and I'm still being developed because it's always something new. The market changes every day and you have to just be up on it. So true. So true. So with that, what was the biggest surprise that your organization has had over the past few years? Speaking of surprises. <laughs> um, I think the surprise for my organization was me just making those hard decisions that I had to make. Because mm -hmm. um, I think sometimes as, as leaders and owners, we get stuck on um, letting people off and letting people go and just mm -hmm. holding on to people, right, that we know isn't helping the organization. Mm -hmm. And that was a part of my reflection. I had to sit back and I, what happened, I was ill and I was out for about nine months and mm -hmm. I came back and the company was in a total disarray. Mm. And, but you thought you, I thought I had the people here mm. to take care of things while I was gone and it wasn't. And so I had to come back and rethink priorities. Um, and one day I just came in and I just relieved people. And I think as small businesses, we we have a hard time doing that because sure. we, the passion's there, right? So I'm sure. working on two words this month. One is passion and one is enthusiasm. Oh. Passion is the one that I think gets us in trouble because we're thinking with emotions and heart, right? And like, this is a family, this is an employee, this is a, but if, it, if, if there's no value there, or they've outgrown the position and you don't have another position for them to move to, it would be good to help them find a position outside of the company. It would be good if they're not working out for the culture of the company, it would be good to let them go. And I think my team was surprised when I started letting people go. Matter of fact, one of my employees said, oh my God, I thought you would never get rid of that person. But then I seen that person that said that to me, step up and was willing to step up. So it was like, I had this person here that was a barrier. So this person could move forward or grow or give their opinion. And once that person was gone, that other person moved up and stepped up with no problem. And so it just, it just made me make decisions. I've just been making decisions quicker and not holding on to things from an emotional perspective. So it was surprising to my team when I came in one day and said, you're gone, you're gone, you're gone. And it wasn't mean, it was just, you've outgrown the company. Mm. And so I'm gonna, I even referred them, right? I need you, this person is waiting to interview you. Your skill set would be more valuable there because you couldn't, they had maxed out here. So mm. That was surprising. Um, and then just turning the company around from that disarray that I came back to where people would say, you'll never fix it. Oh, wow. And they can't say that. Wow. Because I hung in there. And, and I want to encourage um, small businesses, um, don't quit. Don't, don't give up on your dreams or your hopes mm -hmm. just get into the trenches again and figure out what you're not doing right to fix it and what you allow so you won't let it happen again so that's where those lessons come in wow 
Wow. Just taking in that info. (laughs) (laughs) You're sharing a lot of great information, Barbara. Um, What do you believe is the biggest challenge your industry is currently facing? And then what steps do you believe they should take to overcome it? So our challenge right now in the construction industry is labor force. And I think everybody, most most people are having problems with labor force. But in the construction industry, what happened was when I was growing up, everybody wanted you to go to college. So they was pushing college, mm-hmm. college, college, college. And they forgot about the trades. Um, and so now they're trying to fix that because all children don't want to go to college. True. They want to learn a trade. I believe um, trades, make a they make a good living. From a plumber to a concrete finisher, to an electrician, all the trades are geared for growth. And so you might have to start out at an apprentice, but in four years, you could be a journeyman. And two years after that, you could be a master electrician. You could be a a master carpenter. You can make really good money. Those trades are making over six figures. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so now they're trying um, to fix it. But there's still a glitch. They are doing it in the high schools, right? But I, I think it could go into urban America. I think they need to go back to trade and vo- vocational school training um, so that kids can that don't want to go to college can learn a trade. Kids that even do that want to go to college can still learn a trade and be a step ahead when they go into um, um, construction management or, or things of that nature. I I, I think women um, women are going to help turn the construction industry around. We're not just going to be the receptionists or the clerks anymore. I see mm-hmm. women as electricians. I see women as plumbers and and all of that. So I, I, and then the second chance program, um, and there's a way to do it um, where you hire people that have been incarcerated, right? You hire um, um, youth offenders that was in a detention center. You you hire them and you teach them. Um, And so right now there's a lot of grants going on. There's a lot of tax credits going on. There's so many um, initiatives that the government from the federal to the state to the um, counties are doing to help fill those um, spots. Now, will everyone work out? No, but if if you invest the time in someone to encourage them to do it, I can see this industry um, turning around. I I can see it turning around in another five years if we stay focused on 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 that. But that that's the biggest challenge right now is. And then you know people quitting one job for twenty five cents more to go to another job yeah. um, mm-hmm. is a challenge as well. But then the grass is not greener on the other side sometimes, right? True. And so when you think about it, you quit a a good job for 25 cents and 25 cents, that company might be out of business in a year. And that company that you left is still standing and moving forward. And Mm -hmm. so I think people aren't um, thinking about um, longevity anymore and loyalty. That's when I grew up. I grew up with longevity and loyalty. And I think that just the mindsets of the current culture that we live in in this country um, has to to change. True. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm thinking about your comment regarding um, longevity, but I can also see (laughs) the other side to that because, I mean, you see these companies that are laying off people left and right they haven't really been loyal to those particular employees, right? So kind of curious, 
what would be your thoughts in helping to course correct, if you will? Because I don't think you're ever going to see that type of loyalty that you're speaking about until we have more, <laughs> and this could be like a Pollyanna dream here, but like more managers that have your type of mindset. Does that make sense? You know, it does make sense. It it does make sense. Um, then you get back to culture and companies, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You got you you have to look at companies. Um, companies that trade on the um, stock exchange. Yeah. It's shareholders' bottom line. Exactly. What are the shareholders going to get? Right. Yep. Yep. Um, a small business like is the backbone of this country. Yeah. And when I when I look at um, I did research a few years ago when I um, I did my dissertation and it was um, I researched and GE, which does the light bulbs and appliances, right? They mm-hmm. were a small business back, back in the depression. They wind mm-hmm. up with an SBA loan during the depression yep. and grew. And so when I my thought process was that the the person that started that company took care of a community, but now it's shareholders, right? Mm-hmm. And they're worried about their bottom line. Yep. And so I I I think loyalty can be there if it's the right culture and the right business. And if if they're so when when people are interviewing and looking for employment, they should look for companies that their core values fit in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that will help them move and grow, not just as an employee, but as an individual. And, and sometimes we, um, we get caught up in the money. And when corporations start cutting people, they go from the top down. Mm-hmm. And people, um, they become dependent on on certain things, and I I just think companies need to look at their culture and yeah. see how can we make loyal employees mm-hmm. instead of having employees. How do we get people to change their mindset that we are a loyal company? to work for. And it's just not hiring people to be hiring people. Exactly. But yeah. The longevity. My sister-in-law just retired from G. Johnson after 30, not G. Johnson, J and Johnson and Johnson. Oh wow. After 30 something years. Wow. And I said that was a long time. And she said, but they were good. Wow. They were good to me. They were good to their employees. And and I think it gets back to that knowing the entire employee. And then, you know, um, I think companies overlook people. Um, when we talk about the DEI thing, diversity, um, mm-hmm. equity, and inclusion, mm-hmm. I think uh, minorities um, don't get the opportunities that they should have mm-hmm. um, because they don't look like them. But I think corporations, miss out on good employees Yep. when they do that mm-hmm. and loyal employees when they do that. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just a cultural shift um, that corporations are going to have to do. Their shareholders are going to have to live with it. Mm-hmm. But if they want to, if they want to um, continue to grow and um, move forward, changing their mindset of the whole employee and not just an employee, right? So, and so they're yeah. expendable. We we don't want people to be like expendable. We want them here to um, move forward. And I, and I say, if we can grasp hold and help someone else move their vision and mission forward, then the things that we would want in life and the blessings that would come to us just by doing that would be amazing. But I think companies, large companies, um, need to change their their culture on how do we build loyal employees. 
So they don't have mass exodus, but they have to change their their mindset on how they treat people. They really do. Yeah, no, totally agree. Completely agree. Mm -hmm. So we are in 2023. I don't know about you, but it's amazing how fast time keeps going by, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Oh my goodness. So I ask every guest this question when they come onto the show. If you had to choose one word to represent your goals for this year, what would it be and why? Um, it would be enthusiasm this year for me. Okay. Okay. Um, and my daughter reminded me, she said, you've been through, this will be your fourth economic downturn mm-hmm. and you've made it through three. Yeah. And she said, you're, you were enthusiastic during those times. What what's the difference? I, I have to see beyond what's going on around me. I have to believe that there is opportunity that's going to come and it's going to be um, through the needs of a client, um, mm-hmm. through the needs of an employee, through the needs of a community. And I have to be enthusiastic about just impacting the people that I touch every day, um, the people that I speak to every day. Um, And so I've already seen some of the things, um, they're just coming to fruition now with contracts being awarded. And these are things that I've been working on for years. And so my enthusiasm is that 2023 will be very fruitful um, for small businesses not just my business, but for small businesses in general, if we stay the course, if we stay focused and true to the vision and the mission, um, if we are pouring into people um, and helping people get through life, um, that's what I'm enthusiastic about. And just um, not getting caught up in, I call it background noise, that's going on mm-hmm. around me, but just staying focused on what I have to accomplish every day and what it's going to take to get to the next level and the things that I need to let go. So I'm I'm pretty enthusiastic about 2023, even though they're saying there's a recession, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. even though there's an egg shortage, even though so many things are going on, yeah, I'm still enthusiastic about, I can still get through this. I might just have to change course a little bit, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I'm not going to quit and I'm not going to give up. And that's where faith comes in too, right? You know what oh I mean? Like, I mean, <laughs> that, that's right? exactly where faith comes in. I, I love that. Love you that. know, um, my daughter gave me a, a plat. She, cause she says it's so hard to shop for you. <laughs> it says, but she had a custom plat made, and it says, "Faith, it doesn't make things easier; it makes them possible." Oh, I love that. And I just live out my faith every day, even even in my struggles. I. I, I just, you know, I was sitting yesterday and a friend of mine called and she's a prayer warrior mm-hmm. and I didn't get back to her. But when I seen her name, I just said, thank you, Lord, because I needed that today. You knew what I needed today. And then when I got on the phone with her and she was just, um, we were just having a conversation and she just said, gosh, I've seen God just do things for you when, when you couldn't even see him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she just said, she just said, you just encourage me every day to walk out my faith. And and we just have to, we just have to really do that. And I do, my faith is so important to me. I know I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that. Sure. Yeah. Wholeheartedly agree. You know, Barbara, I have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Last but not least, what's the best piece of advice that you have for people who are aspiring leaders? Be authentic. Be true to who you are. Um, 
And all of us have issues within ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's working those things out, right? And bringing them to the surface and saying, I need to work on this um, because I don't want to be that person. Or I, I don't want people to perceive me to be that way. Mm-hmm. And always be open to learning about how you can be a better leader. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it gets to the core where your, your, your spirit's all bothered, but you know it's the truth. Be willing to be vulnerable, but be authentic. Always, always be authentic. And um, I sit on the board and I say, we should always be without reproach. And I know it's hard in this world that we live in, but we should always be people of honor. When we say we're going to do something, do it, even if it becomes an inconvenience. Um, When someone that um, you don't like asks you to do something for them, be a blessing to them. Because mm-hmm. you'll get blessed for that. And, and just remember, I, I just say always be authentic. Always, if you don't know something, say I don't know it. But don't fake it till you make it either. Just <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, don't just ask for help. And I think as leaders, sometimes we don't ask for help. And you yeah. know, it is okay to ask for help. Yeah. I mean, knowing where to go in and of itself is, you know is a blessing <laughs> because some people don't even know where to go. Right. Right. And, <sighs> and, it, and, it, you know, and you talk about, you know, and, and don't, don't believe the internet for everything. Sometimes you have to have a heart to heart conversation with people. Yes. Face to face. Yes. Yes. Um, and read books. <laughs> right. And read, <laughs> right. I'm reading a book now, but it's an old book too, but it's the way you do anything is the way you do everything. And I was telling somebody, you might read two pages and then you have like three pages of questions you have to answer, but it gets to you, like it has you address a lot about you. So always be willing to learn as a leader, but always be authentic and true. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Barbara, I truly appreciate you coming on to the show. I know the audience did as well. In the event that they want to connect with you, how can they go about doing so? Um, they can email me at um, bmyrick, B-M-Y-R-I-C-K, at B-M-C hyphen, lowercase I dot com. Fantastic, fantastic. And as always, all this information will be on the Hustle and Faith website and the show notes. Once again, Barbara, thank you so much for coming on to the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And I pray blessings upon you and what you do. Thank you so much. Thank you. And continue to affect the marketplace. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. I will definitely receive that. Thank you so much, Barbara. You're welcome. Be blessed. For more of our conversation, stick around for behind the scenes. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoy listening to Hustle & Faith and would like to support the show, please consider sharing it with your friends, rate or leave a review, donate, or make a purchase at Starring You Crew, our fitness apparel shop. Remember, if you're everything to everyone, the risk being no one. You never know who you will inspire. See you in the next episode. I know you're super busy. So thank you so much for taking time out. I appreciate it so much. You're welcome. And if you ever want to know about the farm, I'll tell you. Yes. Oh my goodness. We were, you know what we were, it was running long. Um, and you know, sometimes I do a behind the scenes. So I'll just add this into that if, you know, cause I know the, uh, the episode was kind of long, but if people want to continue listening, but, um, the farm thing, how did you get into that? I am very into like health and fitness. I, I, I love, I, I just want to know, how did you get into the farming? So I moved out here in 89 and okay. we were driving down this road one day, it's 83, Highway 83. And I looked up on this ridge, honestly. So one day I'm going to live out here. My kids just like <laughs> mountain lions and they just had a meltdown in the car. Oh, they did not want to move out here. So um, in, in 2013, mm-hmm. I had this dream, 10 houses, find a realtor. I was a realtor too, but I wanted to be a blessing to someone else. And so um, it was the last house on the list. And my husband said, another, I don't want another fixer upper. It was just, 
And honestly, I walked in the house and it had all the um, blinds open and it was debris of the house. So all I seen was Pikes Peak and a beautiful view. I didn't even look at the house. Wow. I I just said, make an offer. And it it was a long process to purchase that house because of um, the individuals that lived in it. But anyway, it wind up being um, five and a half acres. Wow. And so one day I was standing, um, looking out the patio and I just started crying. Mm -hmm. And I just said, Lord, I'm so tired of cutting the pasture. This is not what it's supposed to be. I'm not supposed to cut the pasture. Mm-hmm. And you know what he said? Go get some honeybees. Honeybees. Mm-hmm. I don't do honeybees. Yeah, you're going to. So my idea was, I'm going to make this farm for my employees, right? They can come and have a patch and grow right. and everybody share the crop. Well, I sent someone to school to learn how to uh, take care of honeybees. Oh, my goodness. Well, it didn't happen that way. He didn't take care of the honeybees. And one day I was sleeping. Uh, my spirit said, "You somebody need to go take care of the honeybees. They're not being taken care of. And I just said, I don't want it. Yeah. And so I started. I um, went to um, um, a local um, company here that sells supplies and stuff and went through training. And I started taking care of honeybees. So I wind up with, now I have 14 hives. What? So I sell, yeah, I sell honey. Oh, my goodness. You got to give me that info. That and is, then, I, I'll add that to the website for sure. Okay, and then I um, wind up, somebody has some chickens. And they gave me a chicken coop. Mm-hmm. And then I wind up with um, three three hens and they weren't laying. And I just said, y'all need a rooster or something because I'm just feeding <laughs> you. You're not producing no <laughs> We're gonna have to do something about this. So um oh my goodness. I went, I was at the car dealer one day getting my car repair, and this woman was working there and she was talking about her chickens. And I said, You have chickens? And she said, Yeah, I said, I have three layers and they haven't laid anything. And I was thinking about a rooster. She said, I got one. His name is Paul. He on his way to the crock pot. I said, Oh, that reminds me of Paul on the road to Damascus when Jesus. <laughs> They were looking at me like, what? And I said, Paul, he was on his road to Damascus. I mean, Saul, and then his name became Paul. So I said, well, what you going to do with him? She said, he's going to the crock pot because she had two roosters, Paul. and So I brought Paul to the house. Been laying eggs ever since. So now I have, and I'm going to add, he got a a harem. He has 25 layers. Oh, my goodness. So now um, my husband was fussing about it at first, but now since I'm selling eggs because there's an egg shortage and my eggs are range-free, organic, cage-free eggs. That is that that is the best type. And I am one of the rare people that would probably know the difference between the different qualities of eggs. That's why, yeah, yeah that is amazing. Barbara, you got egg money now. <laughs> yeah, and then I wind up with goats. Okay. So I now I have 15 goats. And they, 15. They don't have just one goat. They usually have twins or triplets. Oh my God. I just said y'all produce really quick. So oh I met um, you know, God's timing is perfect though, because I said, Lord, I processed goat, goat meat and I didn't sell it. So I wind up with this young lady that reached out to me. I call her Taylor Maid. She does custom um tailor-made clothing for women and men. And so she's African. She said, I can sell your goat meat for you. I just said, oh, thank you, Lord. Well, I wind up last year, year before last, it was a section on my property and I wind up uh, planting raspberries, blueberries, strawberries, cranberries, gooseberries. Okay, Uh, I'm nosy. I got to see a picture of this. That that is, do you belong to any of the Facebook groups? Like, um, I'll I'll send them to you. you Somebody said to me, why aren't you on Facebook? Why aren't you? Well, I, I'm getting ready to launch a product line for plants. But you know, you have um, gnats in your plants. Yeah. Well, God, during COVID, I, I, you know, people didn't have nothing to do. So, oh, dear, let's go get some plants. Because I used to always have plants. Mm-hmm. And so we were sitting in the heat. I had wound up having gnats all over the place. And I didn't realize how, how, how bad they were until we were eating. I have an animation out, right? 
I'm just getting ready to launch with this product. And uh, my husband was slapping himself. And he said, you know what? We didn't have this problem until you started planting. You know, getting we got true. This in the house. true. Yeah. So we went to the, the nursery, right? And, you know, they said you take two inches of soil out, you put these granules in, put the soil back in, it kills the gnats. They got worse. Then I brought these sheets of clear paper that you put on the window. Yeah. Put them on one night, get up the next one, just covered with gnats. And I just uh-huh. said, Oh my God. My husband just said, Barb, the plants are going to have to go. And I just said, no. So that night I went to sleep and I had did something at my office that I had forgot about that got rid of the gnats. So I said, Oh my God. I woke up out of my sleep and I put this formula together. And so I was telling my friend about it. And he said, how about you replace that with this? And it, your house smells good for at least 24 hours, but the gnats are gone. Mm. and it's called um qual wow. and it's a biblical base it's really um restoration huh. yeah yeah and um so one of my employees was here in the office about two weeks ago and he said are these artificial plants he said this to another employee are these artificial plants and he said no i have to water them. he said what He said, I can't keep a plant in my house. He said, you know, I watched her use something the other day. She wouldn't tell me what it was. Uh. (laughs) Um, And um, the gnats are gone. And he said, you got to be kidding me. He said, "Mm -mm." okay, I definitely, yeah, you got to, well, send me whatever you want to send me. But yeah, (laughs) for sure. I want to put that on the, uh, the, the website for sure, for sure. 